This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to the PGA Tour Superstore here at the Town Center. Brent Martin, Austin Lane. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We've only been on the road about 100 times in the first year. By the way, happy anniversary. Today is happy a year anniversary, ago. man. And just like a uh, year ago when we started, uh, we, we kind of fumbled the opening kickoff. Well, we fumbled this one a year <laughs> later. Uh, we just could not get this darn thing connected. Uh, so appreciate your patience on that front, and we're ready to roll now. Uh, one year later, we've been to the PGA Tour Superstore couple of times. We're trying to get on the road all week long, although if I keep having to battle this, I might just pull the plug on that. Home field advantage. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, but anyway, we're here and uh, we're going to talk some sports national championship game in the books. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a ton of time breaking that game down uh, other than, uh, you know, listen, LSU proved that they were the best team in the country all year long. They did everything uh, possible to prove that they were the best team in college football and maybe one of the best teams ever to play college football. I'm, I'm not sure many people will say that. Joe Burrow is being included in some of the best seasons to ever happen in college football individually. But, man, seven out of seven wins against top ten teams for LSU, the way they put it on Clemson and kind of hand- Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Looks like we are having a tad bit more trouble with that uh Access that Brent and Austin are using to get through from the PGA Tour Superstore. So let's take a quick break. We will uh, come back in just a moment once we are able to get the uh, the access figured out with the guys here. All right. Apparently you can't hear us again. Here's the deal: if we got to do this a couple of times, then we're probably just going to make the drive back. I know. And Coos is going to have to deal well, with it. Well, here's the thing, Brent. You know, we've been doing this for a year now, and we're starting out kind of slow. Our special teams are hurting us a little bit, but guess what, man? We're at the Kansas City Chiefs. You're like Patrick Mahomes, and I'm like Tyree Kill, man. We get the job done in the end. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll get it done. We'll bring it home. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like uh, that LSU game actually reminded me a little bit of that a Chiefs little bit. game. Not as yeah. much, not as dramatic, but uh, certainly uh, felt like that a little bit. All right. Thanks for your patience hanging out. You know what happens? Again, I mean, we've done this enough. And we had this a little bit yesterday at Jumpin' Jack's House of Food. If you had, what is this called? Like a, a metal roof, like a steel, uh, the, the steel yeah, structure. Like a, yeah. Once we have this steel structure, it becomes very difficult to kind of make your way through that thing uh, on occasion. And I think that's what we're dealing with a little bit. So uh, we'll give it another run. We appreciate your patience. Uh, don't believe me. If it drives you nuts, it drives me about a hundred times as nuts. <laughs> um, it can, in fact, it puts me in a bad mood. Yeah. So um, I may really be in a bad mood uh, the rest of the show. I'll try not to be. Thank uh, you. We'll figure that out. I appreciate it. Uh, anyway, uh, Mark Lamping said a lot of things today uh, in a, an article Jacksville.com uh, just wrote and released a couple of hours ago. Some very interesting quotes you could see at the top of our uh, feed today. Uh, if you're if you're watching on the video streams, one of the topics is two games in London, two home games in London, uh, a lot J stuff happening. Uh, winning won't cure all in Jacksonville, according to Mark Lamping. <laughs> you know what's going on there. And and listen, there's I've got a ton of respect for Mark Lamping. I've long said for years and years now, I feel like he's the superstar of the organization. Uh, he's a bright mind. He's done so many other things in his career. Uh, heck, he's a lot uh, smarter than I'll ever be. And I, I really respect the heck out of him. And I think there's a lot of things going on here. And I also respect how transparent and truthful uh, that he, he is. Uh, he, he says it all the time about his football team. If they're not good, hey, they're not good. He'll say they're not good. And it's not his football team, but their football team. And so he doesn't sugarcoat much. He kind of says it how it is. Uh, when we break down this and get into this a little bit more, obviously the headline popper is, oh, 
two games in London. Well, that could be coming sooner than later, folks. And, and it's been rumored for a long, long time. Um, and it might be a reality sooner than later. But there's also a lot of dollars being invested in Lot J uh, with, in conjunction with the city. So I think there's that element, which also shows, hey, Shad Khan and, and this football team, they want to stabilize here in Jacksonville. I, I still will be the dumbest guy on the face of this earth if the Jacksonville Jaguars move to London or anywhere else. I just don't think it's happening. I think they're trying to figure out a way to make it as successful as possible. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't always say, hey, this is the right way to do it. But I'm just saying, I don't think one equals the other if that happens. And I think there are bigger things ahead for Jacksonville, which include building up downtown and maybe even a new stadium down the road. Mark Lamping hints at a couple of those things. We'll talk about it. Yeah, without a doubt. And and obviously the biggest thing that took away from uh, Mark Lamping is the fact that, you know, he kind of had the quote of, Winning games isn't everything, you know, and, and obviously I, I feel pretty passionate about that, being around various NFL stadiums, seeing how those fan bases work, seeing how the game day experience works. So I can't wait to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. All right, we will do that. Uh, first of all, overall reaction, um, LSU uh, with the win. Uh, did you watch it? Did you see it? Did I did watch yeah, yeah, so I did watch it, fell asleep uh, halfway through the third quarter, <laughs> finished, finished watching it then this morning, you know. Thank God for DVR. Just put it on. Didn't didn't go on Facebook. Didn't go on Twitter to see the reactions. I've watched the game and then went on social media. And you know what? It w- I guess. And listen, this is coming from the guy who had Clemson winning. This is from a guy who was taking a bunch of bets from his friends. And I'm saying not cash dollar bets. But I'm just saying, you know, friendly wagers here with pride on the line that I took Clemson. You know, and and I took Clemson with five points. And I thought for sure, you know, I talked about yesterday, Brent, where, you know, you you have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who doesn't know how to lose. You have a, a head coach in Dabble Sweeney who's who's literally been there last year. He's been there a couple times now. They they are great on the big stage. Um, they're always kind of the underdogs, and they kind of embrace that role a little bit, especially playing, uh, you know, in New Orleans. But I think the, the writing was on the wall when they actually interviewed Dabble Sweeney at halftime because his demeanor, his body language, and, and for a guy that's always upbeat, a guy that's always positive, when they interviewed him at halftime, he was just like, man, we're just trying to survive right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can kind of see that in his face a little bit. I sense like, that too. We, we, we haven't gone against this before. This is something different. Well, you know what's interesting about that whole exchange is the fact that a couple minutes earlier, uh, they said Dabo always talks about the middle eight, the four minutes, kind of like you do in basketball a lot, sure. right? The last couple minutes of the first half, first couple minutes of the second half. A lot of coaches talk about that. Well, he talks about it a lot on the football field. You hear it a little bit less in football. Uh, maybe the last drive of the first half, and then whoever gets the ball could be a bonus possession. But they were talking about how Dabo puts a lot into that. Yeah. Well, what happened in that stretch? Third and 19, the pass interference, and then the brilliant drive. Joe Burrow ends up uh, cashing in on a third and 10 scramble play, and then they, they get the score right before half. So if you put a lot into that, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? Third and 19, pass interference play, uh, which he called kind of a dumb play, and I kind of agree because he never looked for the ball at all. He was just playing the, def- the, the offensive player, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So all those things that happened, you, you got the same sense. I agree with you. Dabo, who is so, so positive. And, and breeds that positivity. And high energy. Really you know? didn't feel it at that half. He knew mm-hmm. he was in trouble down 28-17 with them getting the football again. I, yeah. I think he would have maybe felt different. But the funny thing about it, man, is they stop him. They go tie, They go down and score, get a two-point conversion. You're like, hey, man, we got a football game. Well, from about 12 minutes on in the third quarter to four minutes, well, really, the remainder of the game, they were really not even a threat to score. I, I don't even put it on the defense as much of Clemson, because I knew LSU was going to score. I mean, didn't everybody know they were going to score? 
But I thought it was Clemson's inability to keep up on offense, some of those three and outs especially, and they had no rhythm to it uh, from the mid-second quarter really through the rest of the game. To me, that was the difference in the football game. LSU's defense impressed me maybe more than their offense did because I kind of expected that from their offense. Well, and as soon as Clemson's middle linebacker got sent out for targeting, that that was kind of uh, you know that was kind of the last swan song for that. Yeah, you kind of knew they were hurt. I mean, a little he, bit. he was definitely their emotional leader on defense, and then he gets thrown out for that. T- and you know, we talked about it before, Brent. Under the rule book, is that targeting? I guess. Oh, yes, it, it was I mean, definitely the, targeting. The, the, the guy led with his head. I never debate man, targeting. Off. Yeah, no, 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 I hear you, but it, I debate the punishment. Well, exactly. You, so you're gonna kick the kid out of a national championship game, the, the biggest game he's probably ever gonna play in in his entire career. You're gonna kick him out because. He tried to make a tackle, man. You yeah. know, like, it, it just it, it drives me up a wall. And, and once again, Brent, you said it. Under the rules, that is targeting correct. And then go ahead and penalize him 15 yards, move him down the field. Well, whatever you got to do, go ahead and do that. But don't take the kid out of the entire game, man. Don't don't let that kid watch the, you know, the final drives from the locker room, man. That's just, to me, that's not right. Yeah, I listen. I tweeted it as it was happening. I knew it was about to happen. I knew it was yeah. going to be an ejection. It was targeting. You can't lead with the crown of your helmet. But I also, I I hate self-righteous social media, right? I mean, we're watching these plays in slow motion, frame by frame. This kid is playing 120 miles an hour, trying to make a play down near the goal line, trying to prevent a touchdown, all these things. But really, would it make that much of a difference if it was two of them instead of one of them? So... I really believe the NCAA has to look at this. I think if it had a commissioner, if it had these committees a little bit more, then, then maybe they would. Right now, I feel like everybody in, in football in the NCAA has signed a waiver mm. to say we're not going to complain about this rule. We are going to support it for the health of the student athlete, for the betterment of the game. And you know what? That's admirable to a degree. I just don't understand. I would love to see the numbers if you said, hey, one time, you're out of there. Or two times you're out of there. Would it be that different? Are you still cleaning it up? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think you're still putting a focal point on it. You're not coaching it like that. You're saying don't do that. Don't hurt people. Or the other side is if you want to review one that looks absolutely malicious because of common sense, well, then that's okay too. Joel Klatt, I think, tweeted that out uh, yesterday, and he's he's big college football guy um, for Fox. And I, I think I agree with him. I think nine out of ten times you can tell what a malicious hit is yeah. versus one that's just a hit going 100 miles an hour and he shouldn't have led with the crown of the helmet. We're asking these guys to be perfect out on the field in a game that's one violent, two a million miles an hour, and three, everybody else sits here and judges because we have slow motion replay, including the officials. They didn't even call that on the field. You know why? Because they didn't see it as a bad play. Instead, they went to the review booth and they said, you know what, by rule, that's out, 15 yards, and you're out of here. I have no problem with the 15 yards. I have a big problem with the automatic ejection. I think that's so dumb. Well, and it's such a crazy time that we're living in, too, because I seem to remember in the first half, and I forgot who the Clemson receiver was, but he goes up to make a play. The, the, the LSU guy hits him. It was a clean hit, but it hits him right in the spine. He goes down. He's down for a little bit. Then he, thankfully, he got back up and ran to the sidelines. But the whole time, the announcers are like, well, that was a fantastic hit. Hit him right in the spine. You know, he lowered his shoulders yeah. right in the spine. Fantastic, man. Go ahead and hit him in the spine and see what happens if you hit somebody too hard. Listen, I've I, I fractured my back in the long jump in middle school, okay? It's it's a real thing. So for people to sit back there and say, yep, don't don't hit him in the head. Obviously, hit him with the spine. That's going to be fine. Is it going to be fine, though, man? It's just it, it's crazy times we're living in, and, and, and I can't stress home the point enough where a kid 
who's playing on the biggest stage he's ever going to play in, shouldn't be disqualified from the game because he tried to make a football play with zero mal- you know, malice intent. Here's the other thing. I'm going to do this study, I think, this summer. It's going to be a project of mine. But what I can't stand sometimes about sports is the variation in rules we have. Mm-hmm. And football is a big, big you know, offender of this. In high school, rules are one way. In college, they're another way. In the NFL, they're another way. Well, if you're trying to clean this up, maybe the NFL should then say, take the bull by the horns here and say, we're going to lead the way on this. We want safety first. Well, we're going to eject guys for it if they happen to do it. Well, why aren't they doing it? Because it's not common sense. That's why they're not doing it. And so college football says, well, we're going to do it. We're going to fix all this. I mean, are you kidding me? All this stuff. I'm not saying people don't care about the safety in college football. But of all the stuff that goes on in our college football world, big-time college football world now, between probably the cheating, all the money being made, and not paying athletes for any of it, now, I mean, this is what we're rallying behind as a group is one-time bad hit with the crown on the helmet, you're out of here, changing games, you know, changing kids' lives a little yeah. bit in terms of saying, hey, you were in the national championship game, but you're out of here. I mean, what happened if that happened in the first quarter? Well, that guy never gets to play in the national title game. Yeah. It's ridiculous in that sense. we got to use a little bit more common sense. It's my only point. I'm all for player safety. We just have to use a little bit more common sense, and I do wish all the rules were the same across the board. Well, and guess what? Players are obviously trying to abide by the rule because they want to play in the games. It's not like they go out there, lower their head, and try to get kicked out on purpose. So they understand the rules, I'm sure, one of the very first days of training camp, the coaches go over the proper fundamentals of you can't leave with your head because you'll get thrown out of the game. Well, guess what? That's fine when you're watching the film and you're trying to talk about it as a group, and that's fine if you're in practice and you're in training camp and you're doing two days or whatever you're doing and you're trying to abide by the rules. But when you're under the, the highest of game conditions, when everything's going 100 miles per hour, sometimes it's just human instinct. Sometimes it's not even football. Sometimes it's like, all right, this guy's coming at me. I better lower my head and hopefully make a play here. That's just human instinct. And the NCAA is literally violating guys on defense, guys making these hits based off human instinct. And that's not right. Yeah, I don't love it. Uh, all right, here's the deal, man. Burrow or Lawrence, if you had the first pick and they were both coming out, hmm. okay, your NFL team. Who are you taking? Who do you like? Who who do you, you you really think is going to be the difference maker? You might be right on both. Sure. They look really good, both of them. Yeah. I, I would be happy with either one. Which one are you leaning toward if you're Cincinnati and Lawrence was coming out? He's not. But let's yeah. just play that game because in the next year we're going to play that game. I think these guys will be measured against each other even though they're not picked in the same class. Mm-hmm. And it will be that big of a quarterback splash with that number one pick, whoever gets it next year too. Maybe the Jags. Uh, let's hope not in a way, but let's hope so in a way. Uh, who do you think? It's uh, a good question. I think from my perspective, everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard, to me the biggest telling of who I would take actually came from a quote during the week from Joe Burrow, who said that when he was Trevor Lawrence's age, he wasn't even close to what Trevor Lawrence is now. Okay, And to me that's the ultimate thing. Now, now maybe Joe Burrow was kind of being a little complimentary, and I get that. But I think it's very telling because there's a reason why Joe Burrow hasn't played a lot of football his entire career until this year at LSU, right? Because a lot of teams didn't want to give him a chance. I think right now where Trevor Lawrence is at, you know, obviously being a little bit of a younger guy, but his ability to lead, his ability to, you know, play on the big stage, even though he kind of, I think, got rattled a little bit, honestly, in that second half. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit, but once again, he's still young, and I think I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence over Joe Burrow. But listen, I'd be happy to have either one of them, obviously. It's really interesting, right, because I look at Joe Burrow, and I'm like, man, that guy is so crafty. 
crafty in the pocket. I don't yeah. look at him as like this unbelievable athlete, although he's probably a better athlete than I give him credit for. But he's just he knows where everything is. Will that close up in the NFL because of the speed? I would assume to some degree. He throws in tight windows. We know there will be tight windows in the NFL. He also throws some wide open windows. Sure. But and he's got some great wide receivers. But he should have some good wide receivers in in the NFL. If he goes, ends up in Cincinnati, he's gonna have AJ well, Green. And he's also playing against some pretty good defenses in the SEC. Keep Absolutely. In mind, so so. Like, there were some plays yesterday. He dropped it right in the bucket, man. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow is so so good, and he has played exceptionally well for long enough now that this isn't a farce. You know, yeah. I mean, this isn't a, a fluky one year thing. He's a good player. Lawrence, I, I get the same impression that Joe Burrow kind of gave him that, that compliment as. He is still young. You know, they brought up in the broadcast yesterday, Burrow, he has like, he's, he's already graduated. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's taking online courses, and he's basically in the film room all the time. Lawrence probably is in the film room a lot, too, but he might have more classes to take just because oh, of his age. Oh, without a doubt, man. So he might have some of that to navigate that Burrow hasn't been able to. I think he is more uh, gifted mm-hmm. as a player. Will he be? Will he increasingly get better? Uh, I thought he got increasingly better this year from last year. In the season, he was increasingly better. Second half compared to first half. Will he continue to do that? And where will he be in a year or two? I think is a fascinating question that that scouts and, and NFL people will have to ask themselves. Um, I I feel like Burrow's going to be better though, man. I yeah. feel like there's a savvy craftiness IQ to him. That is a little bit different. That I almost sense coming off. He just understands everything. It looks like everything's slow to him. I don't know if that's because they're that good. Will it be like that in Cincinnati next year for him in the NFL? Absolutely not. Not week in, week out. But I've got a feeling that Burrow is going to be a better player long term than Trevor Lawrence, and I think I'd be in the minority on that. I think he would too a little bit. And you know, listen, maybe I'm just um, kind of infatuated with the hair a little bit. You yeah. Know I mean, but Blaine Gabbard did that to me too. So who knows what happened there? <laughs> but um, yeah, you know it's. Well, like I said, I think it can go either way, Brent. But at the end of the day, a kid as a freshman who just had that moxie to come in and play that Alabama team, the national championship, and do something against them, um, to me that's very telling. You know, and what was the story this whole year? Oh, Trevor Lawrence, Heisman. Trevor Lawrence, Heisman. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you compare his numbers to this year to last year, they're pretty comparable. Right now, granted, maybe the competition he played against during the season wasn't up to the SEC, and I understand that. And keep in mind, Joe Burrow really came out of nowhere. Nobody really had that guy winning the Heisman Trophy when we're talking preseason, and I don't think anybody really had LSU going to the championship in the preseason. So Burrow kind of came out of nowhere, took all the shine, but you can't knock the fact that Trevor Lawrence was pretty consistent this year, put up some big numbers again, especially towards the second half of the season, and hopefully he'll be able to carry that on, obviously, for his uh, third year in, in his campaign. I love the toughness when you can see it in a quarterback. I always respected that about Blake Bortles, you know? You could see his toughness. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a big dude, but he's also tough, and I think people respect that. Well, in the final four here, Trevor Lawrence getting hit hard uh, by Sean Wade in Ohio State and bouncing back in the way he delivered in that game, trailing after getting hit. I thought Burrow exuded some of that yesterday after the big hit right near halftime, and he was still not afraid to go run and just stay back in the pocket. He would do whatever it took to win. I, I like that about both these guys. I like that in my quarterback if I can see a toughness about him. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about both these guys. I think they're both going to be really good pros. I just got a feeling Joe Burrow might be a little bit better. One other thing about Lawrence, how does he come back now? This is the first game he lost. <laughs> so, so how, you know, one thing about Burrow, he's had a little bit of a chip that's built sure. because he thought he should be playing or he got overlooked or people said he wasn't good enough. You know, I think even the town that he comes from, um, a little bit, uh, it has a little bit of that chip. You know, sure. he, he referenced it in the Heisman Trophy speech. So, 
Is that with Lawrence? Everything's been so easy for Trevor Lawrence. From the outside looking at it, maybe it hasn't. I don't know his whole life. But I'm just saying from the looks of it, everything's been a W. He's been throwing touchdowns. Well, now he gets hit in the mouth a little bit here in this one with a loss. Hit your pride a little bit. How will he work in the offseason? What will he come back like? I think that will be telling for NFL GMs and scouts to look at that part of it when it comes to Lawrence. Yeah, you know, and some could say this could be a blessing in disguise for Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers because it's like we said, Brent, they, they haven't lost in a while, right? And Trevor Lawrence definitely doesn't know how to lose. And, and that was my the X factor that I had going in the National Championship game where it's like whatever happens in that game, Trevor Lawrence has never lost before. So he, the guy just – when you when you have the mentality of I don't know how to lose – it's a different thing. Whether you're fighting, you're playing professional sports, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. If you've never lost, you just have that kind of edge. Well, guess what? Now you got punched in the mouth. Now you, you came out on the grandest of stage and you got beat. You lost. And two things can either happen. You can either sit around and feel sorry for yourself and just being like, oh, woe is me, which I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to do that. And I don't think Dabble Sweeney will allow Trevor Lawrence to do that. Or you can work harder now, and you can make sure it never happens again. So if anything, yes, it sucks that you lost in the National Championship game, but guess what? You got another shot next year, and now you can maybe chalk this up to a little extra added motivation for the Clemson Tigers. All right, we're going to take a time out when we come back. We'll put out more fires from the road, but I think we're rocking and rolling now. I'm afraid to go to break, Coos, because I'm wondering if we'll ever come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we come back, one more thought about these guys in the NFL on the quarterbacks alone. And then we advance things to the Jag side of things. Mark Lamping's thoughts here uh, today that are coming out. What do you take from it? London, Lot J, winning in Jacksonville, staying in Jacksonville. All that on the way on ESPN 690. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for hanging out with us. And the clock has run out. LSU is the college football national champion, 42 to 25, over the Clemson Tigers. The coaches meet at midfield. A pat on the shoulder. Dabo Sweeney to Ed Ogeron. Confetti and fireworks now inside the Superdome. Well, there you go. The final call of that one, LSU national champs. To nobody's surprise, they're the best team in America all year long. But I shouldn't say nobody's surprised. I mean, I think uh, Clemson was worthy of being in that game. I think they could have easily have won that game. I, I think their offense stalled. I, I think they could have. It wouldn't have stunned me if they won. I mean, I picked Clemson to win. That doesn't mean I was, would be right. But I just don't think it was. Um, we're not talking about a team that was unbeatable in LSU. I think Florida, you know, played good against them earlier in the year. Auburn played well against them earlier in the year. And I think Clemson, you know, had a chance if they could have just moved the ball a little bit more, make a couple more plays. That's football. Yeah. I never really felt like, oh, my gosh, this is a, this is a team that's overmatched. Although I will say I just never also felt like Clemson had the horses they've had the last few years in the national title game or in the Final Four uh, this time around. Let me ask you this question, Brent, because obviously you talk about Clemson, you talk about the ACC. It was obviously down this year. Do you think Clemson was the toughest team that LSU played all season? Well, that's a great question. Um, I would say... Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I mean, Flor- you know, Florida gave them a heck of a game. But I think Clemson's better than Florida. I really do. I think Clemson's better than Auburn, quite frankly. I think the two best teams in the country were there. And, and don't I forget that they looked pretty good against Ohio State. They started off a little slow, but then they came back and looked pretty good. And I think Ohio State's in that conversation, too. I think if Ohio State had made it to this game, yeah, I could make a case. I mean, I, I'm not sure 
Ohio State couldn't beat LSU. I think it was those three teams and then the drop-off. Mm-hmm. I think that, that was as simple as that um, this college football season. But LSU proven that they were the best team. Uh, so hats off to them. They were able to do it, and uh, they get it done. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, PGA Tour Superstore is where we're at here on this Tuesday. Having all sorts of technical issues uh, on our one-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hide it. It's I'm all not going to try man. to sugarcoat it. Yeah. But now the camera's going up and down. I mean, what the heck is happening here? We've worn everything out over the year, I guess. We we are down 24 to nothing right now to the Houston I Texans, mean, man. But don't worry. Bill Bryan's going to call a fake punt here. We'll be all right. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's incredible what is going on here with some of this stuff. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. That's always the hardest one to figure out, you know? Uh, we're, we're like, we need halftime here. Yeah, we need we to make do, some man. adjustments. Uh, we need to figure something out. But uh, we're going to march on anyway. Hey, you had a question about... Tua, yeah. in relation to Lawrence and, and Burrow, um, if he was healthy, say prior to the hip injury and prior to some of the, you know, earlier in this year coming out, if you put him in the equation, where does he fit in with Lawrence and Burrow? Correct. That's a fascinating question. I've said this, I think, to you before, and I don't know if I'm right on this, but projecting as an NFL player, I feel like two is the third out of those three guys. I really do. And, and I, thought that, I, I thought that before the injuries. I just... I'm not sold on Tua as a as an NFL guy. I'm not. I, I'm not saying he's going to be terrible. I'm just not like all in on Tua. Like, man, go get that guy. I think these two guys are going to be special in the NFL. I don't know who they are. I, I don't know if they're Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if they're Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know if they're Philip Rivers, Drew Brees. I don't know. I, I mean, how, how do you how do you know that stuff? I just feel like they're going to be good, successful quarterbacks, win a lot of games, put teams in position to win a lot of games, teams that can build around these guys and be successful. Uh, And not to say Tua isn't that guy. Mm -hmm. I just think it's more of a risk, Tua to the NFL. That's my opinion on on the lefty. And and when you say risk, I mean, is this obviously a majority of the injury concerns? that? Well, now it is, but I'm telling you, that was my thought even before he got hurt uh, this year. Uh, He's had some injuries anyway, but I'm saying if you go back to the beginning of the season, all the hype around Tua anyway. Everyone was trying to tank for Tua. Yeah, the tank mm-hmm. for Tua stuff. I would if if you had beginning of the year Tua with all that hype, and now this Joe Burrow, I'd go with Burrow. That's my yeah. point. Okay. Yeah, and, and fair enough. I think people would agree with you there, Brent. You know, and, and to be fair, like I talked about to open the show, nobody really knew about Joe Burrow until halfway through the college football season. So uh, I, I agree with you there. You know, and to, see, to, to me, Tua, it's he's kind of deceiving, right? Because he. Can scramble, he can get open, but he's not a runner. You know, to me, he's not a dual threat type of person. He's more of the, the pocket presence kind of guy. And if you look at the, the way the NFL and teams are drafted now, guys are looking for those guys that can extend plays a little bit, um, you know, and that can kind of create their own passes. Well, with Tua, you've had the luxury of playing behind a, a pretty good offensive line, obviously, and having, you know, the, probably the best wide receiving group, um, maybe next to LSU and the entire you know, into the entire college football. So. I get what you're saying now. I'm curious to see, you know, being a lefty too might be uh, a little bit of a different thing. So uh, I'm curious to see where two is going to fall to because one would assume he's going to fall maybe a little bit with the injury concerns. And that's one of those things, though, Brent, where if he does fall a little bit, you know, a, a team can maybe draft him that has the, the, the people around him, that has the philosophy around him, that maybe he can sit a little bit and kind of get accustomed to the NFL lifestyle. And then when he comes in, maybe he can kind of have a great season like Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers did um, all those years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane here at PGA Tour Superstore, a place that we visited a bunch in year number one. We're trying to hit some of the spots that we've been uh, to in year number one uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Of course, we have a big party coming up on Friday. We want you to be a part of it. 
it. If you haven't registered online, uh, or if you have and, and not sure if you're going to win and, and be a recipient of a ticket, you can come on out here to PGA Tour Superstore today, and uh, we're giving out about uh, five pairs of tickets to Friday's big celebration. We're going to have some fun. Basically, uh uh, studio audience for our Friday show, which is really our one-year anniversary show, even though today is the actual date. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't forget, it's my dad's birthday as well, so I have a oh, birthday right on. But also, birthday, uh, Mr. Martineau. But also uh, our one-year anniversary uh, today of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, and it's been a fun run. Uh, so we'll talk more about that on Friday. I'm going to save some of that stuff uh, for later in the week. So let's talk more sports. We just did two of it in the Borough-Lawrence conversation. Now let's go on to the Jaguars. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what you read from Mark Lamping uh, today, Jacksonville.com article uh, coming off uh, a meeting downtown. And first things first, there are some, there are several headlines. The, the headline of this is City and Jags close to a big deal with Lot J. We're talking a $700 million kind of deal. It went up from $500 million. So, I love that. I love it, love it, love it. Take You can have whatever political side or however you believe about it. I don't get into that stuff. I really don't. I'm just telling you from what I've seen, from where we travel to with other NFL cities, from where I was from uh, in New England and what I saw in Foxborough, a place that's not even half as nice as Jacksonville is, mm-hmm. uh, and what they've been able to do at places like that. I love the idea of building up downtown Jacksonville, Lot J, whatever it might uh, come to down the road. Uh, the Daly's place has, has worked to a degree, I think, to add something different to the stadium area. And now you got to get some shops and restaurants. And we've seen some other things like Intuition Ale, Calford Chop House. Heck, we were just at Jumpin' Jack's House of Food. There's more and more going downtown yeah. than ever since I've been here. But I think this would be a huge step for making it an attractive place to be from both the business world and also the sports world. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not going to come across as naive here because I, mean, I don't necessarily know 100% of what, what's transpired with Lat J and everything over the past couple of years. But like, I'm reminded of like the shipyards, of, of all that hype that was going up. And people were looking forward to that. And I saw people retweeting and posting on Facebook, you know, kind of the mock drops. Well, that never transpired. And then uh, I think it was like last year, a couple of years ago, then Lot J was all the talk. And nothing's came, come about that yet. I guess my big question to you, Brent, is how legitimate is this announcement? I mean, can you expect that there's going to be uh, something up in Lot J? Or is this more of just trying to build the hype again, trying to get people excited, only for them to get you know kind of let down uh, you know in the in the long run I guess yeah I I think this is legit man I I think they are trying to get this across the finish line I really do um, in my opinion this is important to get a shovel in the ground uh, Mark Lamping in this article says they can maybe do it in the spring yeah uh, and that's the hope I I had heard it had been pushed a little bit towards second quarter maybe even June um, so I don't know exactly where that fits and sits but I think it's an important part of it. I think the city needs to put their arms around it. They need to do these things. It's not a Jags thing, in my opinion. This is a city thing. This is downtown Jacksonville, man. You you do have the, they're not lying about all the things you do have down there. You've got the river right there. We've got a market that's a top forty-five market in the country and growing. You want that place to be a destination. So again, take all the the losses out, the London stuff out for now, the everything else. I, I always liken it to. Get me the draft here, right? I mean, get me a, a city, a destination where the NFL wants to bring that draft to. And I think the more you build that up, the more attractive you make it. 
and you have events like that. You know, and we've seen Nashville thrive on that. Uh, we'll see what Vegas looks like. It's not relative to me to Philadelphia so much, and even New York City and Chicago, and probably even Dallas where it's been. And I'm not even telling you it's going to look like Nashville. Sure. But it can be a place where something like that, those kind of events come to Jacksonville. And you want to bring guests from out of town, too, and go downtown and hang out for a night and go see this, go see that. You know, they're working on it. There's a lot of people working on trying to make that happen. I think this ends up happening. To what degree, I can't answer. And you've heard me say several times in the last year on this show, Jacksonville's at a point in time right now where you have to decide, do you want to be Birmingham or Charlotte? And I use those two cities. You can name your cities in that regard. It's, I'm not hammering Birmingham, and I'm not sure Charlotte's the greatest example either. But we've seen a city like Charlotte grow over the last 20 years. We've seen Birmingham kind of stay Birmingham. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my point. And so if this helps you become more like Charlotte, more like the Atlantas of the world, the Orlandos, the Tampas, the Nashvilles of the world, that's where you want to be. And that's what Jacksonville should be. It's too late. It, it, not too late. It's later than it should be. It should already have happened. Other cities have, have made it happen. Uh, and now you've got Shad Khan and Mark Lamping and whoever else is really the players in this involved to, to make it happen. And it's on the doorstep. And my point is, kick down that door, man, and make it happen and, and see what this place looks like in five to seven to eight years. I'm a big believer in it. Again, and this does nothing to do with it. From a, I, I don't even know the political side of this. Mm-hmm. I don't pay attention to the political side of it. I just know building up downtown is an important thing um, on a, so many different oh. levels. Oh, it's absolutely crucial, Brent, because I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm tired when i got family and friends that come to Jacksonville for the first time, and they're like, all right, what should we do? And I'll be honest with you, man, going downtown doesn't even cross my mind. It's like, well, let's go to Jack's Beach. You know, let's go to Riverside. But, like, as far as going downtown, there's there's nothing really there for them to do. Unless you want to go see a concert and every once in a while in a blue moon. And to me, the downtown, that's the lifeblood of a city, man. That, that's supposed to be where all the action is. That's supposed to be where everything's at. And, you know, so set aside from, from the Jaguars and then the stadium there, and then you have uh, – you know, you have Daly's place. There's not too much happening. So I agree with you. I mean, I uh, I want to see Jacksonville get built up downtown. I, I want nightlife. I want, you know, things for kids to do. I mean, there's the museum down there, but I want to see more stuff to do. I mean, obviously, that's, but that's the heartbeat of any kind of major city. So I'm with you on that, Brent. My only thing is... Listen, I'm just going to take it with a grain of salt to tell you the truth, man. Yeah, and then that's okay. And, yeah. and I think, um, to me, that's less Jaguar, Shadcon, Mark Lamping, and more just the way politics sometimes sure. works yeah. in, in the city. And and I'm not blaming anybody for that. I, I think there's just stuff you got to get through, and sometimes that takes long. We know this about Shadcon. He's tried to do a lot of different things, and he wants it done now. And he wants it done as quick as you can get it. I, I do know that. I've spent enough time around Shad Khan to know if we can't get this done, then let's move on to this because I want stuff done. Yeah. I want to be working, moving forward the whole time. And he has lived up to that. I mean, whether it's internally in the stadium, video boards, Daly's Place, now this. He wants this thing moving forward. Remember, it did start as the shipyards, and now they've brought it into Lot J because the shipyard's a little bit more complicated. So that's where this thing has morphed into. And... I think it's about ready to happen. I think it's a good thing. Your thoughts on it, Star Star 690-4362-9901. That's not really the polarizing topic of this Mark Lamping stuff today. Two thoughts. London, two games. What if it happens? By the way, it looks like it's happening. And then the other one, there was a quote in there that said, not even winning can cure everything. Oh, baby, it certainly would help. 
be surprised. <laughs> it certainly you would help. Be surprised, Mr. Lamping. And there's one other thought I have about all of this in its context and where it could be heading down the road. We'll get into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Your thoughts welcome to Come on by PGA Tour Superstore. We'll give you a couple tickets to our party on Friday if you stop on by. We'll be right back. It's the one-year anniversary of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Congratulate Brent, Austin, and Coos on their first year on the radio by leaving them a voicemail by calling Star Star 690 on your cell phone. Thanks for listening to ESPN 690, Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio. All right, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. <laughs> what a fun day. Um, anyway, we're back here at the Friendly Confine, so we're all good now. Uninterrupted <laughs> for the next uh, hour and 15 minutes, we hope. That's the plan. Uh, Brent Martino, Stuart Weber, Austin Lane kind of making his way back. Luckily, we're close enough to the town center where it's an easy ride back. Who's here uh, wrestling with this thing? I We got to the point there. I don't know if Austin wanted me to hit him with a golf club, yeah. but I wanted to hit him to hit me with his registered weapons which was his hands sure like i really wanted him to does he have those registered yeah is that part of mma he does yeah we had that conversation he does nice so uh i wanted him to hit me with him see i figured he would i mean i know i do so (laughs) the uh question is as a jags fan let's continue this conversation yeah that you guys were having and i thought austin made a good point i thought you had a good rebuttal to it as well and that is yeah, worry about winning, worry about winning, worry about winning. Well, there's two different businesses going on here. There, There's the the professional football franchise, which, by the way, they've now adopted this bold city sports and this Daly's place, uh, and they've put a lot of other things in there to try to create local revenue. Now they're pulling in the Gator Bowl as well, the tax yeah. layer guys. And, and listen, by the way, the New England Patriots, yep. they have a business side that cares about the business, and yeah, football's great and all, but their job is to create business. And, and there's an element of that. And Patriot Place is great. Well, this yeah. whole giant thing that's you know right next to the stadium. And that's where winning does help and cure, right? Correct. Because winning can help in that, and especially when it collides at the same time. And that's what I always refer to, man. I mean, New England. I, I just can't tell this story enough. I grew up in New England. The the games were blacked out. I didn't grow up a Patriots fan. I know everybody assumes I did. I grew up a Dolphins fan because I could watch Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino, and I fell in love with Dan Marino because I couldn't see the Patriots. I went to some Patriots games, and you know what I remember from the Patriots games? I don't remember a single play ever. I remember sitting on cold bleachers and being freezing in, like, November and December, and I remember grown men fighting a lot (laughs) as, like, a little kid. That's what I remember. It was like... An awful place to be. Like, people hated it. It was like misery all the time. Every time I went to a game, and I didn't go to a ton of them, but I went to enough of them. And it was this awful town in Foxborough, Massachusetts. One road in, one road out. The traffic was worse than the game. And that's what it was. That was the experience. It was a miserable existence to be a Patriots fan outside of 1986. 1985, really, but into 86 Super Bowl. I think there's some irony in the fact that I grew up in South Florida. And meanwhile, I have never been to an NFL game. Wow. As a fan, obviously. Yeah. For the people at home. I've obviously now covered many Super Bowls and covered the Jags for uh, eight seasons, but I've, I've never been to an NFL game as a fan, as crazy as that sounds. And I think about it sometimes. I'm like, man, well, that's crazy. But now, and especially now, because now I'm at the point where, well, I can't. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> you you know? have to wait to the other side now. Yeah, you got to wait till the other side, and uh, and who knows how long that'll be. Uh, hopefully a long time. But uh, you know, here I could have gone and seen Dan Marino in those those great years, and. Meanwhile, that's crazy. You weren't able to. I'm telling you, my yeah. whole room was Dan Marino, and it was because of that. So I like to tell that story, but there's another part of the story when it comes to New England. Yeah. The part of the story is Robert Kraft assumed all of the franchise. He bought the franchise. He, he basically he was part of it, but instead of all these other owners, and they thought about moving, by the way, to Connecticut, to other parts of Massachusetts, to New Hampshire. There was talk about that when I was a kid all the time. Wouldn't have to change the name. They wouldn't have. Uh, but they were and they weren't moving anywhere like crazy far, but they were going yeah. to move locations. Sure. Absolutely. It, it, it was a conversation all the not all the time, but I remember it vividly as a kid. Well, 1996 comes. They get Bill Parcells. Bledsoe takes them to the Super Bowl. They're the underdog. Not they don't win. Green Bay wins. But around that time, Kraft is crafting an organization that's one his own to building a new stadium because that stadium sucked. And how many years into Kraft's tenure was that? I'm, I'm a, I don't know exactly, but I want to say a couple. Just pretty, like I think he assumed the team in like '94. I want to say, and I might be off a little bit, but in '96 they go to the Super Bowl and they open the new stadium right around like 2001. So we're talking about a five-year span. They bring in Parcells. They've got a quarterback in Bledsoe. They've got now an owner that's that's committed. They've got. Uh, a new stadium on the horizon, although that came a little bit later. They win, they go to the Super Bowl, so there's a little momentum. Well, 97, 98, 99, 2000, they don't really do that much. Well, then they get the stadium. And when they open that stadium, they start winning football games. They got a guy named Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and this dynasty is created. So it all came together at the same time. In the meantime, he builds up Patriot Place as well, and that area all of a sudden becomes a destination. Foxborough, which was like the armpit of Massachusetts, becomes this destination place for families even when it's not a football game. And quite frankly, they have less events there, I think, than they do even here in downtown Jacksonville. So I like to share that story because I've seen it. I, I don't know if you can get Belichick and Brady. I do think winning helps when all this starts coming together. Like 17, when all this talk started happening, if the Jaguars were to go on this run now over five, ten years, and they would be successful, and Bortles was the guy, and Marone and Coughlin, it was a thing, it was going to work, that certainly would have helped. Yeah. It's not the only thing. It's not. It doesn't have to be. But it certainly would have helped. So winning does help. I think Mark Lamping said winning doesn't cure all. I understand what it means that it doesn't cure all. It does cure a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It cures a lot from you get young kids that want to wear Jaguar stuff. That's a new generation of Jags fans. Uh, you get a lot of people willing to spend their money. I think people, if you're the cool team, start coming from the periphery of Jacksonville. So I disagree with the, it doesn't cure all. I get it. That's, that's, so I don't necessarily disagree with that. I would say winning cures a lot though, if the Jag, and we found that out in 17. Yeah. What I thought it would buy Jaguars, uh, fans and maybe even Shad Khan and Mark Lamping is a little more time to say, Hey, at least we won this year. Maybe that buys a few more years of goodwill and equity. Well, bam, it turned on a dime, and they couldn't sustain any sort of winning, any semblance of winning the last two seasons. So now here we are in frustration land once again. We talk about that bizarre fact that could the Jaguars' window have possibly been 15 months, and it was. It was. And it's just so bizarre to think of it that way. By the way, it was 94 that he became principal wow. owner, so you were right, I impressed myself. right on it. You, you and Wikipedia on, on the same lines. I didn't look it up. No, you didn't. I did, though, Uh, because I always do that. So so all those – 
I like to share the story in New England because yeah. I, to me it's relative to a degree. But here's the difference. One, I don't know what kind of owner Shad Khan will be when we look back in 20 years from now. I know this. He's got a ton of money. He had more money, I think, than Kraft even might have had when Kraft bought the team. I, I don't know that for sure, but I think so. feels like it. I think he has a vision of improving downtown Jacksonville in a stadium. And I don't think we can lose sight of that in one game in London, two games in London, whether you don't like the fact that they're winning all that stuff. The fact that this football franchise in the city of Jacksonville has Shad Khan as an owner, you cannot tell me is a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good, good thing. I don't even think people understand how much money Shad Khan has. Still, I know it sounds like a lot of money, but it's a lot of money. Like a lot. He tried to buy Wembley Stadium. <laughs> I mean, he, and he might buy Wembley Stadium he someday. Yeah, he might still at some point. So I think it's a good thing Shad Khan's the owner. I think if you had any other, if Wayne Weaver had picked somebody else, there's a hell of a good chance this franchise already is gone. Yeah. I know if he picked Stan Kroenke, it's, it's gone. already gone. Yeah. I know that for a fact. So, again, this sounds like a lot of defending. I'm going to get to the other stuff. But I do think we lose sight of sometimes in the losses and the London talk of some of the good that is on the horizon potentially and some of the good of having guys like Shad Khan own it Mark Lamping run it. Uh, I think there are benefits to these guys. Again, I, I said at the start of the program today, and I've said for years, I do believe Mark Lamping is is a star of this franchise in a lot of ways. Now, you might not agree with everything he does, but I do think he's a star in many ways for this franchise because of his vision, because of some of the other projects he's been able to do and can lean on. And I, I think that's important in Jacksonville. I think sometimes this city gets stuck in the way back machine. Yeah. And I think we have two guys in Jacksonville that are trying to get in the future machine with a little bit of this vision. I think to, to your point that anyone who who thinks that Shad Khan being the owner of the team, you know, what are you thinking? I think you can you can kind of split it up in, in a couple of ways. You can look at it from the perspective of Shad Khan doing all these great things for Jacksonville and having that in mind. And then you can have the people who think, is Shad Khan good for this team as an owner when it comes to the team winning? And obviously his job is is both. It's all of it encompassed in one. And I feel like a, a lot of the reaction, at least that I see on social media, maybe more so is geared towards that one side of it. Because obviously as, as a fan, you're... That's you're, what you're concerned about. Yeah, you're a fan of yeah. the, you know, the football team. And you should be. You, you should, should care be. about Absolutely. the other stuff. Absolutely. Unless you really care about downtown building up, which I'm a huge believer sure. in that. And yeah. that's separate than football to me. Right. And, I mean, for us, that, that makes the city stronger. That makes the, the sports scene and the entire community stronger. That makes our jobs better, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so from our perspective, you know, we want the city as a whole to thrive, not just the Jaguars, the football team, but downtown Jacksonville, all the events that we can bring in, all that stuff is good for, for us, you know, not only as sports people, but as citizens of Jacksonville, people who live in this community or St. James County or Clay County or Nassau, you know, all these people, it is good for the Jaguars to be good. You know, that can only bring good things for your community and for the people all around this area because you're getting more benefit out of it the better that they do and the more things that get built up. Yeah, and, and I think people have been around the city. I've talked to enough people. I've been here 12 years, but that have been here a long time, and they say, I can give you a list of things that happened once the Jaguars came here. Right. You know, and, and that is true. But again, listen, I don't think 
there's something I am hard and fast with the fans on, and that is we shouldn't be – there were times early on when I first got here, and I think more fans that have been around here longer, longer than I have have felt like there are times where it's like it was your civic duty to support the team so they don't move away. No, that's that should not be the case. That's not the case. You shouldn't buy tickets to a to the Jags and be forced to to be like, oh no, they might leave. That's that's never a good relationship with your fan base and with the city. And I think at one time it felt that way. Does it feel that way again? If the Jaguars move another game to London, home game again, does it feel like that? And on the flip side. Should it feel like more of a charity for Shad Khan and not worry about all the business stuff? I think there's a sense of the fan base that believes, yeah. <laughs> I'll explain that a little bit further. Are the Jaguars going to play two home games in London? Certainly lining up that way. Does it mean they will eventually move someday? I have a big opinion on that. It's coming up next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Final hour the way it's supposed to be. I guess right here. Sometimes you take risks and it doesn't pay off. Brent Martin to Austin Lane. Coos, thanks to Stuart Weber for jumping in. If you want some free stuff, uh, all our equipment's at the PGA Tour Superstore. Oh, there you go, Brent. That's the spirit. (laughs) Today it doesn't work anyway, so you can have it. Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) I don't think the the station would probably want me to say that. Yeah, but let's be honest, though. We got security over there. We do have security over there. I liked it. You almost got mad over it. You get a little frustrated. Yeah, well, I don't know if you noticed me or not. We'll have to go back and see if it comes on in film, but when we went out the second time and Coos was like, I lost you, I. For a split second, because I, I I take pride in being a pretty calm and casual individual, but for a split second, I was getting ready to make a good point. You know, like I, I was I, right oh, in we the wheelhouse. We were in the heat of the London stuff. We were in the heat of the London stuff. I had a good point coming up. I had a good point on tap, ready to be served. Koo says, I can't hear you. And like literally, my fist just kind of comes across, and I, I almost punched my me. screen. <laughs> I wanted to be knocked out at the moment. No, man. Well, then I have to go to jail. That's not going to be fun for anybody. I know. You're registered yeah. there. Well, well, the laptop can't send you to jail. Unless charges, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm at the sway you not to file charges so anyway look uh my wife a little combination we got a little, we got a little combination of uh uh my wife yeah. stephanie had the she went out and got this this morning courtesy of my mom okay who wanted to uh send us something for our one-year anniversary hall of fame stuff bringing a hall of fame kind of gift so i like we got it. a little cookie cake here to celebrate i we'll like more that. celebrations on friday but sure mom said hey uh, happy anniversary called me early this morning yeah happy anniversary yep and uh then asked steph to get us a cake and steph uh, obliged so here we are and it says first year equals hr home run right well, home run, but nice. after today's show, it Human might be resources. HR. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so now, how, how does that cake work? I mean, do I get half custody of it then? So like, yeah, you, you, Monday, you can Wednesday, it. and Friday, I can eat it, and then Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, that's, that's all you? Well, here's the deal. Here's the other thing going on yeah. here. Now, uh, we'll get back to Jags in a moment. we got all the time in the world, folks. But <laughs> We have an hour. It's 5.04, so yeah. I told you yesterday, I'm on this new fasting thing. This is you what are. you do, This right? is what I do every day. Well, How are we doing? I'm doing fine. You look but, good. But here's the problem. Uh-oh. I haven't eaten since 9 o'clock last night. Dude, what? I was supposed to eat at like 1. Yeah. And we, I had a meet. So my window to eat is like 1 this. to 9, right? Yes, correct. So I was supposed to eat at 1, and I had a meeting at 1. Okay. And so I was running a little bit behind. What else is new? So mm-hmm. I didn't go stop and get anything before. I'm like, okay, I'll get a, I'm will going to get a shake. Sure. I'm going to get a coffee and a shake on my way to PJ Tour Superstore. Okay. I uh, didn't have time for that. Just the coffee one out. Shakes oh, takes a little longer. Yeah. But there's a burger place like right Next to PJ Tour Superstore. Yep. 
And so I was like, okay, I'll order something there and go pick it up and I'll get a burger during the show. Sure. Well, here we are now. Here we are because of everything yeah. putting out fires left and right. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, it's 5.05. Dude, do you want me to get you something, man? Uh, I can do some Uber Eats. Or that's what I did when you were gone, actually. I had Uber Eats deliver some Chipotle to, to me. I used Uber studio. Eats for the first time ever while I was in Asheville. Works wonders, man. It was pretty good. Not too shabby. I liked it. Yeah, if you and want to, you quite know. a bit. Hey, they're, they're not giving it away now. No. You know, they got to pay for the gas money. But we were watching football game, and even my buddy. My buddy, like, gives money away like it's going out of style. <laughs> like, he's got, like, millions, and he doesn't. Sure. And it's... It, so his wife orders. She has Uber Eats, the app, yeah. and it's like seven dollars for a charge, and then eleven dollars for a tip or yeah. charge or whatever else. Well, so anyway, it's like a twenty dollar charge. Yeah, yeah. So twenty dollar charge, uh, and then on top of that, yeah, you got a tip. But so she uh, she tells us, and my buddy's like, "No way, I'll go get it. It's like fifteen minutes away. I'm not paying that. I'll go get it." Yeah. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "You just give people money left and right, <laughs> and you weren't about twenty minutes." Twenty bucks. We're staying here. It's I'll the principle. It it's and, the principle. And we'll watch the football game. <laughs> it's the principle. Well, if we learn anything, Brent, I'm gonna need you to eat at one o'clock or two o'clock. All right. The last thing I need you is an empty stomach for like 24 hours. That we don't want that. We don't want you to pass out. I'm getting close. Like I seriously have not eaten. Now I might have had a couple of peanuts. Yeah. On the way over. Sure. But that's about it. It's no way to live, man. Since nine o'clock last night. We went over this, dude. All right. You got to eat at one or something. You I know. To... That's, I, this Come is why on, these man. things are hard for me <laughs> because I have like these windows are not good. Yeah. I have no good window. Is this what's gonna happen now? Like set aside from us kind of group texting about the show every single day. Now I need to kind of check up on your meals, make sure you're eating and everything. Yeah. You is, that, is that what you want me to do? I'm, I'm gonna have to be your accountability buddy. Is yeah. that what we're at right now? Accountability <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Accountability buddy Austin. I like yeah. that. Very good. It's from South Park. <laughs> uh, no, what do I? I haven't heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's continue on with this Jags discussion, all right? And it, you know, we've been – here's the deal. I, I said this before the break, so let me answer a question. Okay. Do I think the Jaguars will play two home games in London? Yes. This season or this up-and-coming I'm, season? You know, I'm still – I think it's happening. I think – but I, I've been mixed reviews on that, whether it's happening. Somebody just asked me that today as well, and I was like – I don't know. I hear differing things. So I'm not – I'm just telling you, I think it's going to happen at some point. And okay. it might be this year. I think I think Mark Lamping helped lay the groundwork for it, it is going to happen at some point mm-hmm. in that article today. And he didn't necessarily say it's imminent yes right now, but we'll see. And, and so my point is, how bad is that? Well, what everybody says and, – and by the way, when I put that on social media and on Twitter, the responses are – no, it doesn't make sense. It hurts your most important fans, the ones in driving distance to the stadium here. The opportunity cost has to be as flat at best, but most likely negative. Well, I don't know if that's true, because if it's a 15% cash on your local revenue of your mm-hmm. entire local revenue to play one game, I don't think the costs are flat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not. They wouldn't play it if they were flat. Yeah. It's obviously a big moneymaker to go over there. Uh, Tommy says, I would hope it would be one uh, be one as the home team and one as a visitor. Why would you want to take two home games for the fans and pay the money every year for season tickets? So we get a lot of responses like that. Sure. I get it. I get it. Listen, I have season tickets, too. I don't want them to take two home games over there as a season ticket holder. I don't. I really, as any part of Jacksonville, I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I think a lot of people associate that in the national world will really do this. Jags are on their way to London. Jags are moving to London. I am telling you, folks, I have done a lot of work on this topic behind the scenes and talked to a lot of people. And I can just tell you this, and this isn't to try to make you feel better. This is just me being honest. Yes, I think two games, home games in London is going to happen at some point. 
Uh, I think it almost happened years ago. I said that earlier in the show. I think it might happen this year, but it's definitely going to happen at some point. I also believe they could pull one of those back at any time. There's no like commitment to say, hey, we're playing two home games for five years. Now, unless that's a contract that happens, maybe it is. But, and I don't know that part of it. I also firmly believe in it with every ounce of my body that this team is not moving to London. I don't think it is. I don't think this is the groundwork for that. I don't think Shad Khan is going to do that. I think Shad Khan likes Jacksonville. Uh, I think Shad Khan wants to see Jacksonville be successful. I have said this for a long, long time, Austin. Even with my most egotistical way, let's just paint Shad Khan in a bad light and say it's all about me. It's all about money. It's all about this, okay? Sure. If you say that, well, if that's me Mm -hmm. and I've got – I'm the 400th richest guy in the world – and I have Jacksonville, Florida, a top 45 market with a beach and airport and several airports and a, and a, and a river and a downtown that really has no fingerprints on it mm-hmm. of like, wow, this is Jacksonville. But I get to shape that and help do that. Why wouldn't you want that? I've always called it the blank canvas. You have, you have a billionaire who's got a blank canvas. Now, sure, it needs a lot of help. Needs the politicians, needs the city support, needs all that stuff. People it's not just one ball. guy painting. Yep. But this is this is a chance to make Jacksonville an identity, and Shad Khan can be a big part of that. So even from the most egotistical point of view, I don't think Shad Khan would want to move elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, one you could you could come back at me and say, well, he has a chance to make the Jags a worldwide team if he goes to London. That's a fair point. Sure. He does, but isn't he kind of doing that already, whether it's one home game over there, two home games over there? If he has some relationship with London, I think he is doing that. The thing that's missing about making them a worldwide team or more of a global team is the wins. Mm-hmm. If he could win a Super Bowl or become a team that people talk about a lot, he will have that luxury. That will be almost like a genius look from Shad Khan saying, hey, look, we got all these fans in London. They love the Jags. Got all these fans around that area that love the Jags. They're, this is a global team now. You know, if the Patriots were to have a fan base in London these last two decades, think about how many more Patriots fans there would be. Sure. You know, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. So, again, just to reiterate, in my opinion, and I, I will be the biggest, the most naive person in the world, and and you can come at me as hard as you want the day it happens, if it ever happens. I do not think Shad Khan will move this team. I think he he and he wants this team in Jacksonville. Mm. I think this is a business move to try to make it work. Again, we can debate whether that's the right move or not. I'm just saying I think this is part of the business infrastructure, not a a ploy to eventually get a team to London and be one of the big teams globally with it located over there. Or I think some have suggested four games over there. I can't get there either. I don't think that will ever happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, do I think two games for a while could happen until maybe they do win and they show the ability to say, hey, we're starting to fill this place up and Jacksonville continues to grow and there's more people here to spend money and all that's maybe. I don't know the answers to that, folks. I'm just saying, yeah, I think London is going to happen at some point, two home games. But I don't think this team's ever permanently going to London. I really don't. And with all every ounce of my body, I don't think that's happening. So let's put Mark Lamping to the side for a second, because I understand his standpoint. And Stuart brought this up. It's Mark Lamping's job to generate revenue for the team. Okay, and he does that by, uh, you know, a a variety, I guess, a variety of ways, not really focusing on the football aspect of it, because that's not his job. Right. Still, you're a team president, whatever. 
Let's focus on Shad Khan's perspective because if there are two home games in London, this is going to be because of Shad Khan saying so, right? He has the final say, obviously. Well, in the NFL. He's the owner of the team. Well, in the NFL. Yeah. But this is, this is Shad Khan's initiative, okay? He's responsible for this, Brent. You, you agree with that? Absolutely. So here's my question to you. On the hierarchy of goals, the hierarchy of priorities for Shad Khan, where does winning a Super Bowl rank and where does generating a lot more money rank, do you think? Oof, good question. Uh, let me try to be uh, fair about this question. Yeah, please do. I think, <laughs> I mean, you understand he has a business that is like almost free of fault in terms of his bumper business. Like it's free yeah. of, he's he's got money coming in all the time, all the time. Like, and it's not going away. It's almost like recession proof. You know, yeah. He own, I, I don't even know what it is, but I think it's like 88 percent of the bumpers in the world. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. It's a lot of cars out there. I mean, so unless somebody comes up with something different, he's good. He's good. Correct. I don't think this is about. Let's see how much money I can make off my football team in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. I think this is more about. I need to fall in line with what these other owners in the NFL, these other franchises look like. On paper, in their books, I don't want to look like the Buffalo Bills who haven't built a stadium in 30 years. I don't want to look like the 30th ranked team in local revenue. He's not a last place guy. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, I think the Super Bowl is, even though you don't hear him talk like Kraft and Jerry Jones, I think this guy likes to win. You know, I think this guy, he has won a lot in his life. And I think Super Bowl is of utmost importance. Yeah, I do. I, I would put that over... Money, Money here in Jacksonville, yes. And you know what? I would absolutely agree with you. And I've shared this story before when Shad Khan made his introduction in our team meeting. And the first thing he said is, we're bringing a Super Bowl to Jacksonville. Now, granted, he's talking to the football team. We obviously don't care how much money he makes. We understand he's worth a lot of money already, right? But being a self-made man, we respected him. But he kept reiterating the point over and over again. I want to win a Super Bowl. We're bringing a Super Bowl here. We're bringing the Lombardi Trophy to Jacksonville. And then you know that that was like the preseason like hype speech. Like we were we we're pumped up because to be fair to the Weavers, we never heard that kind of speak from the Weavers, right? Now they they were they're good people, but the Weavers never came in and said we're winning a Super Bowl. We're we're bringing it home. This is us. Now, at least not to me. Maybe they had in the past, but not when I was on the team. Okay. Shad Khan comes in and he amps everybody up saying we're going to win a Super Bowl. So I agree with you. I think that Shad Khan's main goal, and let's be honest, I think any owner's main goal, is to hoist that Lombardi trophy. It's to say, we're the best franchise in the NFL, check us out. Because whether it's ego, whether it's money, or whether it's pride, that's what it's all about, Brent. That's what being an owner's all about. But here's my point, and here's why I asked you that question. How does having two games in London, two home games in London, how does that help you win a Super Bowl? It's a really good point. It's a good point. I said to somebody in that building last year, and I gave them that stat that we had talked about and said, hey, teams are not doing well coming out of London. They are not. They're losing games even with the bye week. I gave the stat, I think it was prior to the London trip, and I had looked up because I was curious, and it was something like they were 1-6, and six, I think, going into – well, now they're, I think, 1-7 and seven. Mm-hmm. the week before London – no, no, that wouldn't be right. They beat the Jets. No, no. Who'd they beat? Who'd the, Jet, who'd the Jags beat before Houston? Was it the Jets? I think they did. Jets. Okay. Yeah. So actually, they're now two yeah. and six going before London, I think it was. Okay. Does that make sense? They've been over there eight years? I think so. Yeah, it's been a while. 
I mean, I can check it out. Maybe they're two and five. Whatever it is, yeah. their record was not good. They did get the win over the Jets. That was the week prior to London, and so my thought there was, well, there's a lot going on. Yeah. You know, to get ready for London. You have to move your whole operation to London. You have to figure out all those things. It's already in the back of your mind. You talk about family, you know, make sure the kids are okay. Your wife's okay. Everybody's okay. Whatever it might be, you're going over there. Paying taxes in London to play over there. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not sure what the state tax is, but I can't be cheap, I feel like. All that stuff. Yeah. So if you put all that together... No, it does not make you a better football team. And on top of that, if you play two games in London, does it hurt you from a free agency standpoint? I will always say this about free agency, man. And Mm -hmm. you can give me some examples when it's not, but they're going to be few. It's about money at the end of the day in free agency. You'll play on Mars if a team offers you $3 million more million to play per year sure. in Jacksonville. Sure. But the Jags might have to play that game. Mm -hmm. But ShotCon's been willing to play that game. He has not said, no, we're not spending. Calais Campbell, guys like that. So... Do I think it helps your football team to play in London? Absolutely not. I have said this for a long time. I've spoken to players privately about this and said, I don't know how you guys do it. Hmm. I don't know how in this kind of sport, barbaric sport, violent sport, you can feel like you're at your best playing in London after that flight. Whether you've been there a week or three days, it doesn't matter. We all know anyway, if you've you've been on business trips or flying – you kind of feel fatigued and tired. You just don't well, feel like your normal self. And I'm going to be honest, Brent. I, I never got the opportunity to play in London, but I played on plenty of West Coast games coming from the East Coast. And it takes it, even like I felt different just going from the East Coast to the West Coast. Absolutely. That's a four hour time difference. Well, I, and I was just like, oh, man, this doesn't feel right. And I think you're right about that. And I even can't imagine the, playing in London. Even with the better accommodations, yeah. even with maybe a first class seat, even with a more of a straight through flight, all those things. It's hard, and and athletes will tell you that. If you talk to the players, they say, listen, it is not like I don't feel my best that week, Mm -hmm. but everybody's kind of in the same boat, and my opinion is the better team usually wins over there. Uh, Some have argued the Jags have more of a home field advantage because they know what it's like. I don't buy into that. And and that's the argument I made this year, and my only opportunity on Sirius XM Radio, I kind of squashed that because I said, oh, the Jaguars are definitely going to dominate the Houston Texans because guess what? Houston's never played in London before. The Jaguars have the advantage. What happened after that? Because they weren't a better team. (laughs) They weren't a better team. Right? Or or maybe just played bad. But my point is I don't see that as an advantage. So let me just answer your question and say, no, I just gave you a bunch of reasons why it does not make you a better football team yeah and i think that's a serious question they have to ask themselves i i again i told somebody in that building that and i i almost would hope a person in say doug marone is not who i told but say doug marone sees a number like that mm. and says wait a minute all eight teams that came back from london lost their next game even though they had a bye week and you want to do this twice well, and, and, and this is this that is, doesn't help us. Yeah, and this is exactly my point. Where if I'm sitting here in ESPN 690, or if I'm a Jaguars fan listening in my car, or listening at home, if I can ask the question of how does that make us a Super Bowl winning team? How, how does that make us better by having two games in London? And if the management of Shad Khan or Mark Lamping can't answer that question honestly. Then my question to them would be, well, what's the priority here? Is it making more money? Is it making more revenue? Or is it actually winning a Super Bowl? Because I'll be honest, Brent, I think it is winning a Super Bowl. All right, I was in that meeting that Shad Khan talked to people. I have a pretty good judge of character, at least I think. And I think Shad Khan was genuine when he said the main goal is to bring a Super Bowl here to Jacksonville. And I still believe that to this day. But my question to him is then if you have two away games in London, well, two home games, essentially, but you're away from your home for two games, how does that help you achieve greatness? The only way I would say that it could help you is if you play back-to-back games, you're over there already. So you're, sure. you're now accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe that does give you an advantage. I don't know. We'd have to see that play out. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't say that it will, but we'd have to see we that play out. We don't have much to go out. off of with that. So I, I think that's the only way if they play two in a row, which I believe that would be the case. I, I think it's going to be two in a row. I, I can't so, see it's two different trips. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. You'd almost have to have two buys. Like I would petition the ja- if I were the Jags, and if I'm playing two games, I want two buys. I don't think the players are going to go for that. So uh, again, I'm not sitting here fishing for an answer how it helps you better on the field. I don't think it is. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I also, if I'm being honest, completely honest here, and this is probably going to offend some people. And again, I I would like to mention I'm a season ticket holder myself. I've kind of asked this question to the family a little bit. They haven't really given me a strong, they're not as passionate or as strong a response as as some of the folks on Twitter do. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what if they do move two home games? Do you not want to go? And the answer is no, I'm still going. Like that, I mean, that's Ty and Kaylee and, and, uh, and Steph. Yeah, and this isn't you, Brent Marno, ESPN 69. This is no. Brent Marno, the season ticket holder. No, this is me just spending the money on it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> because yeah. they want to go. Yeah. And so I've seriously asked my the, just that those three people sure. that. Mm-hmm. I understand why people get offended. But like Andy Loosemore, who's a great listener of ours, of over over across the pond. Straight up diehard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and we love Andy. And he, he just responded. He said, well, I'm a Jags fan. I live in England. But two home games in the U.K. is just wrong. Get a winning team and make Jacksonville viable. Things aren't that many. There aren't that many Jags fans over here anyways. Interesting yeah. from that perspective. Um Again, the, the the money part is not about Jags fans. The money part is about 150 bucks a ticket for 85,000 $85, people yeah. over there that the Jags are getting. That's because the, because it's here, the, NFL, the average yeah, it's ticket the is like 50 bucks sure. in Jacksonville. So you can see the money difference. There's a huge money difference here uh, when you play a game in London. But some of the the folks that bring up win first mm-hmm. and all that stuff, I get it. But is Mark Lamping's job to sit around and wait until they win or to make this more of a, I don't want to use the word viable, but make this more of a solid business model here in Jacksonville to make it work to keep up with the Joneses, everybody else, including the Joneses, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jerry Jones. You know, I think Mark Lamping's job is to do that to a degree. Shad Khan's job is to do that. Shad Khan's job is also to bring a Super Bowl to Jacksonville. That's what he that's what wants he to do. That's yeah. what he said he's going to do. He's going to make it the hottest ticket. And quite frankly, he hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't lived up to that, albeit for the one year. But I also don't think, if I'm being truthful here, I don't think it's the owner's responsibility to make this seem like a charity to Jacksonville, meaning I can just flush money away and lose money because I love my fans and I want them to be able to see all the games. If this is a more business sense, smarter play, well, doesn't he owe that responsibility to the business side of the model? You know, and I'm not saying even the two. I'm just sick and even the one. But I guess two would, would be appropriate in this. Um, I, that doesn't sound very good. I, I get it. Yeah. But what I'm, it, it comes across like people sometimes in, in a fan base, not just Jacksonville, but fan base in general feel like, well, I'm this loyal fan. So you, it doesn't matter if you make money or not. Well, that wouldn't be the case with this radio station. We wouldn't be going into year two if we didn't make any money. Correct. We love being up doing this radio show. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. We love the people that listen to the radio show. But I can guarantee you this, if we didn't make a dollar, and it's not like we're making billions, but if we didn't make a dollar in we 2019, we wouldn't, wouldn't be, be back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a totally different animal in the NFL. They're making money hand over fist. I understand it. But you get my point. Yeah. Uh, you don't just do something just because even if it doesn't make sense business-wise. Sure. I get, in the business world, nobody does that. Mm-hmm. McDonald's doesn't do that. Walmart doesn't do that. Nobody does it. So 
it comes across sometimes that the responses are like, well, he owes this to us because we're loyal fans. Absolutely, you're loyal fans. And I think they love you, loyal fans. Are there enough loyal fans? Have they done a good enough job getting more loyal fans because of their winning ways on the field? Absolutely not. But I think we do have to be a little bit careful with the narrative of he owes this to us because we love the Jaguars. I I don't know if that's true. That's a hard thing for me to say, but I just don't know if that's true because I can guarantee you this. If Stan Kroenke had bought the team and the same metrics were to show up in terms of the dollars, Stan Kroenke would have moved the team. Yeah, He did it. I saw him do it. They just did it in Oakland. Same thing. Why? Because of this. Dollars. Not because of the fan base. I mean, Oakland's fan base is unbelievable. They should never have moved the team out yeah, of Oakland. But, but at the same time, but you have a team like the Chargers who came and saw it a soccer stadium, but they're getting a brand new state-of-the-art facility. Yeah. They're, they're getting a state-of-the-art you know, NFL stadium. And this that team, and granted, they weren't that good this year, right? Well, that team couldn't even sell it the soccer stadium. That's true. You know, it's just... I absolutely understand what you're saying. Where if you're the owner of a, of an NFL team or owner in any sports, right? Where it's like, well, you have the money, so guess what? You have the power because you, you've you you aren't given that. You earn that, right? You earn that. You earn that thing to kind of say what goes goes. I understand that point, and I'm not saying that Shad Khan's got to be 100% loyal to the fans here. If you're not making money, then I get it. Go make money someplace else. My only issue is if you want to look at the analytical side, if you want to look at the, you know, how much money your 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 you know, the revenue's making right now and you want to use all those figures, to me those figures are flawed because you're not putting a winning product on the field. True. My only argument would be wait till you guys start putting stringing together winning seasons, winning seasons and guess what? If you're still not making money like you want to make then that's all you got to say. It's like, here, here are the numbers. We're winning ball games, but guess what? No one's showing up, and here's what we're going to do about it. Simple as that. Yeah. It's just it's hard for me to sit here right now and say, I'm cool with you having two games in London. I'm cool with all the stuff going down because, to me, you don't have the sample size. You don't have the data to reflect that. You, you at least have to get the right data to say, you know what? We're winning ball games, and we're not getting the people here. It's as simple as that, in I, my opinion. I think that's fair, and I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to put myself in the, it's like when we did the Yannick thing. I'm not necessarily agreeing with everything going on, but I'm trying yeah. to put myself on the other side of it and see it from their their point of view. Sure. Um, and I don't have an answer for that. Well, I really don't, because you know why? Because the Jets, the the Bengals, the uh, Jets are probably a bad example because they're New York, but the Bengals, the yeah. Bucks, the teams like this have not won, and and you don't hear all this stuff. You really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, the the Bucks. I mean, they won a Super Bowl two decades ago, but they really haven't done much. And they're not talking about moving all these games around and all this stuff. And this but again, is, they do. It, you know, if I said that to Mark Lamping and Shad Khan and everybody down there, I would assume they'd say, "Well, Tampa's like the top fifteen market in the country. They have a bunch of business sponsors. They have a bunch of all this stuff that that Jacksonville isn't. So it's it's really hard to comp it because it's not apples to apples. I'm not trying to think of even outside the NFL. What is apples to apples to Jacksonville? And there's not much. I guess St. Louis was more apples to apples to Jacksonville in sure. terms of the size of the city, and they lost a lot. Stan Kroenke, they got the wrong owner in there because Shotcon wouldn't have moved them out of St. Louis. I fully believe that. Yeah. I don't know if he would have them playing games in London. I'm not sure. Yeah. But he wouldn't have moved them out of St. Louis. They got Kroenke, and Kroenke ends up going to Los Angeles. So, again, I'm not holding that against Jags fans. I really am not. I'm just saying that is reality. Teams have done that. Tampa Bay, they struggle. Guess what? There's talk of them moving. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, no, you're right. But I'm saying, but this happens in any sport, though. I mean, like, take for instance, 
I'm, I'm a diehard Wings fan, all right, in hockey. I'm a diehard Detroit Red Wings fan, and I grew up a Red Wings fan, right? And there was a time where the Detroit Red Wings, it was hockey town. Everyone was going to the Red Wings games. They sold out every single game in Joe Louis Arena, right? Well, what's happened the past decade? Joe Louis Arena goes down, they, they build up Little Caesars Arena, and they can't sell a ticket. Because you know why? They're not winning. They're, they stink. I don't want to watch them. No one wants to watch them. And it's the same thing whether it's in hockey, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in football, man. Where it doesn't matter even sometimes the tradition of being maybe the most storied franchise of all time in National Hockey League. It doesn't matter, man. If you're not winning games, people aren't going to support it. People aren't going to cheer for it. You can call them bandwagoners if you want, but that's just the world we live in. If I'm watching a TV show and it sucks, guess what? I'm not going to watch it anymore. If I go to a game and I don't like what I see on the field, maybe I'm not going to go to another game again it's as simple as that I, you're you're so on the money with that and i agree with you right there and i, I don't even want to look in my mentions anymore because it sounds like i'm defending the jags on all these fronts and i'm not but did you just kind of tell me though why i need the business model to be sustainable through the ups and downs you know you just yeah. said i'm and you're right mm-hmm. people go to games when teams win if you look around the nfl atlanta was half empty that's a big market yeah. and they've had good players and they've had some success recently and nobody was going because they were losing. Same thing with the Chargers we brought up. Same thing with the Chargers. And and that happens in sports all across the board. So is what the Jags are trying to do here is sustain through the ups and downs. And I understand they've been more down. So we don't have the upside, at least through a few years, to even measure. Yeah. Understandable. But are we kind of answering our own question here what the Jags are trying to do? Make it through those peaks and valleys with this sustainable business model so we don't have to plan on wins versus losses. Charge more tickets after you have a winning season. Charge less if if you lose. All those kind of things. If you're Mark Lamping, yeah, that's obviously your goal. My, my question to you, Brandon, is if you're Shad Khan and you're spending energy on that, is that energy that could be spent on putting a better product on the field? Yeah, we're going to keep rolling on it. A couple other things Mark Lamping said in that article. Uh, star Star 690-904-362-9901, the number if you want to jump in on this conversation. It's a wild one here on a Tuesday. Action Sports Don't Jackson, ESPN mention, 690. I'm going to be honest with you. We just said let's, the only reason this is one of the top ten shows of the year is because it's only January 14th. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very small sample size to work with right now. Hey, listen, we'll be honest with you. This show has been frustrating today. Yeah. And it's not because of topics. Like, we've been pretty passionate about our topics. Oh, yeah. I think we're bringing our A-game in terms of that. It's kind of like, you know that commercial? Remember that commercial where, like, uh, well, I, no, no, it's not a commercial. It's like, is that Dumb and Dumber? With what? When, uh, when he opens the door. Uh, remember the door when he's yelling? <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's uh, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. When, yeah, yeah. I knew it was Jim Carrey. When he's talking, yeah, good call, good call. Uh, I was, like so I, I was kind of helping you out a little bit. Yeah, I, I needed it. the help, yeah, man. That was right. fishing. It's a little stocked fishing into Malone. In the dark there. It's been uh, that kind of day. A little stocked into Malone. That's all good. But anyway, that, that's the whole sh- first hour and a half of the show. <laughs> How fast were you on that? That Coos. was impressive. Who's bringing his A game The whole first hour of the show felt like that. I was like, are we being heard right now? Are we on? Is yeah. this thing working? Yeah. The video goes out. The, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, they say in our business, you're not supposed to continually bring up all the mistakes you made. Sure. But it was kind of humorous at the start of the show. Oh, dude, it was. Well, it wasn't really. We were almost fighting people. Yeah. But, uh, and swearing. Yeah. And then going to HR. Yeah. But anyway, that's how the show started. <laughs> but it's it's really taken off since then, folks. I we're, promise. We're here now. He's trying to make it work. It really had nothing to do with PGA Tour Superstore. We appreciate them having us out. We wanted to jump out there for a bit uh, because we've done it several times. We just couldn't get the good connection to go. So it's just one of those things. Sometimes it happens. Uh, There's people watching me, too, by the way. Like when you left and I was kind of taking over, um, like a 
I guess a couple from like UNF came by and were just kind of watching me, really? which is kind of weird a little bit. But stalking yeah. you, uh, stalking maybe, watching, admiring, whatever you want to call it. Little Did you freaky. Give him tickets? No, you should have given. Oh, I probably had those. Brenda, I forgot. Yeah, them. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. if you came by for tickets, here's hit me up on Twitter because I totally forgot about the tickets. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid, like I didn't have the tickets on me. Like, hey, you want to come to our show, get some tickets? Like, sure. I'm like, oh, I don't have them on me. You should have just pulled the like. You should have just pulled the whole like. I'm above needing to give you guys tickets because I'm on the show. You just drop my name. Mention when you my get name. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, hey, we got a lot to talk. I want to get to some of the responses because I think they're good. We asked for people's opinions on this whole London thing. Yeah. Again, if you just joined us, Mark Lamping. There was an article in Jacksonville.com today um, about his comments, and, and some they were he was quoted a couple times um, in front of the board. There's a $700 million deal that they think is on the doorstep now with the city of Jacksonville. Lot J uh, building up downtown. I think that's a fantastic thing. Also mentioned is the possibility, he said, of two home games in London coming soon. Could happen. Uh, he didn't say the coming soon part, but the possibility, and that could be on the horizon, and I would not be shocked to see that as soon as this year uh, when the NFL schedule comes out or even before if they announce those games. Uh, we'll see. He also said one of those quotes that I think got people a little hot was winning doesn't cure all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a hard thing to say around here because we don't know what winning cures. We've had one year of it in a dozen years. So it's a very hard subject to talk about. Because the Jags have just been bad on the field. So we've been discussing a lot of these different things, trying to think of it from all different angles. And we asked you what your thoughts were, especially the two home games in London, how you would feel about it. Anger, uh, emotional, uh, whatever. I'll just go to the six games in the preseason, whatever it might be. Here are some of the responses. Samuel says, the fix is in at that point. Just move the team. Don't treat us like we're dumb. And Samuel, uh, if you're just jumping on and, and, and you didn't hear me say this part, I do think we will see at least an experiment of two home games in London for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If not this year at some point, I think we will see it. I don't know how long term that will be. But I will say, and I will be the biggest dummy in Jacksonville if it doesn't hang true. I do not think the Jaguars are going anywhere. I, I really don't. I don't think I'm being naive on that. I've done homework on that. I don't think they're going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so you can believe what you want to believe. Is this an indication that they are going to London someday or somewhere else? I'm telling you, I don't believe it. And everything I can find, that's genuine uh, reaction from people that I've talked to that, no, it's not. Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to stop everybody from panicking. We hope you listen to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, but I know it's not everybody. Correct. And I understand what the national folks are going to say. I'm just telling you everything I can find, and I believe it mm-hmm. from all the homework I've done on it, I ain't going anywhere. Well, let's be fair. When you say things like this, whether it's Jags related or just what you hear, usually you're, you're pretty right on the money with it. So. Yeah, and I think I'm going to be right on the money on both these things. Yeah. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime. So I'm just saying from, from a Jaguars fan, that's reassuring to hear. Bro. That's I, all I'm trying to so. get. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the two home games that I think does happen is reassuring. That's not. No. <laughs> Wiggle Man says, take a preseason game for the love of God. <laughs> you know, it's a great idea, but then you got to go twice. Mm-hmm. Unless you start the season over there. You don't want to do that, do you? No, you don't. Uh, so I, I don't see that being the case. I really don't. Uh, just move the team there permanently, says Adam. That's not going to have it. Um, <laughs> I won't read that. Eric says, doesn't this hurt your ability to sign free agents? I know money talks, but everything equal would you want to have to do that travel to your body twice a year while also playing football? Great point. We talked about it earlier. I do think money talks at the end of the day. I don't think there's that much foresight in a player to say, oh, I want to go here because the schedule might look like this. And I also don't mm-hmm. think there will be two trips. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. My opinion will be it will be a back-to-back thing, which potentially the Jaguars could argue will give you a bit more of an advantage 
that second game, especially because you're already over there. Yeah. Uh, again, and I'm just guessing. I know you're guessing. And in terms of the advantages, you could maybe make that point. But like you said, I think the better team that goes over there is probably going to win nine times out of ten. And I'm just going to say this once again. I'm going to reiterate my point here. If you're Shad Khan and the main goal is to win a Super Bowl, if you're a Jaguars fan, then you should be asking, how does moving two games to London, how does that help you win a Super Bowl? Yeah. And if Shad Khan, and if Shad Khan can come out, or if Mark Lampin can come out and give me a valid answer or give Jaguars a valid answer, then you know what? Then I'll shut my mouth, and then I'll move on to a different topic. But until that time, I will keep bringing up that question until it is answered. That is a great question, by the way, and I don't have a very good answer yeah. for you. You brought up earlier about loyalty. Do you have to have loyalty to your season ticket holders, to your Jags fans here in Jacksonville and all that? Could you make the case, and this might be stretching, and I'm not asking you to come along for this ride. I'm just trying to think again. Well, when we have these discussions, try to think all around it. Uh, uh, and could you make the case, and could Mark Lamping and Shad Khan and, and everybody, Jags, maybe has this happen, say, hey, we are trying to be loyal to Jacksonville, trying to be loyal to Jags fans. We don't want it to go anywhere. We want it to work, and this is the best way to sustain it and work. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to buy in and believe them on that. But I'm just saying, could you argue, kind of like, while it feels like they're taking stuff from you, they're almost trying to make it work long term by doing this in the in the immediate yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I'm a huge believer in if they build this downtown up and eventually we're going to talk about stadiums, too. We didn't really get into that today, but I'm going to have a thought on that before the close of the show. Those are indications that shotgun spending money in Jacksonville and wants to continue roots in Jacksonville and builds. You don't build stuff in a place yeah. to take it away. Of course. And that's one hell of a front, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't do that. Especially. Yeah. So. I, I think you could again. You got to think both sides of it. It's an emotional topic, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to convince you. You yeah. can think whatever you want to think. I'm just trying to put everything out there from both sides of the table. Uh, Wilson says no longer buying season tickets after 17 years if they do that. Well, and I think there will be a peop- there will be that. Sure. Um, I think what the Jags. Let me play. This is going to really make my mentions go nuts. Maybe. <laughs> let's just say that's Brené at AS Jacks. Let's just say. Twitter. From a, I've thought about this a lot, and this isn't me just being flippant. Mm-hmm. But let's just say the Jags have a core base of 45,000 people. Okay. Let's just say that. So that's their 45,000. I don't know what the number is, but let's say it's 45,000 season ticket holders in Jacksonville. No waiting lists, not 65,000, not 80,000, 45,000. I think a lot of people would come along with me and say that's about the number. Uh, I'll give that to you. So if you have people like Wilson, how many of the 45,000 say, hey, I'm not buying tickets anymore? Uh, let me yeah. let me just say there's there's eight thousand. Okay. I just throw a number out. That's sure. a weird number to throw out, but yeah. let's just say eight thousand. Say mm-hmm. hey, I'm not coming back. I'm not doing it. I think the business model would say, one, if I'm playing that extra game in in London, I'm making up that money anyway, mm-hmm. some of it at least. Mm-hmm. And two, to what you just said earlier in the last segment, it's not if you build it they will come. It's if you win they will come. Mm-hmm. And so if Jacksonville wins over the next three years, Wilson's coming back is my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, so I, this is we're not talking about going from a million season ticket holders to 100,000 season ticket holders. We're talking about going from 45 to maybe 37,000. Yeah. You know, is that really a big number affecting your bottom line? And is the benefit of going to London for that worth that risk when you know that person's coming back if you win football games? Because that is, at the end of the day, the most important thing. So it's funny because you're looking at it from Wilson's standpoint. And when you're talking there, Brent, 
I, all I can think about is the player's perspective. Okay, and the player's perspective is, listen, there's a reason why guys want to go to Green Bay. It's not because the city's fantastic. It's probably one of the most boring cities in America, and I'm from there, and I'll be wholeheartedly say it. There's not much to do there. There's no nightlife. It's just it's the Green Bay Packers. But guess what? Players still want to go there because they, they know they're going to a loyal fan base. So my question to you is this, Brent. Let's say there is two games in London. Well, let's say those season tickets all of a sudden – People start canceling. People start canceling. And now all of a sudden, let's assume the Jaguars maybe have a mediocre season next year. And that stadium looks more empty and more empty. Do you think that's going to also hurt the team a little bit from the standpoint of, man, no one's showing up because they don't want to be a part of this? You know, that's going to spread in the locker room. That's going to spread to other teams of possible free agents going, why do I want to go to Jacksonville? Because no one's showing up because nobody wants to. Yeah, and and I think you could. I, yeah. Listen, I think if they if this does happen this year, say they were to go to two home games and that comes out, I think there will be this will be a a a loud thud in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. This will be people maybe even outside that stadium and saying, "What are we doing here? What are sure. you doing?" Well, I think there will be people that pissed off about it. I really yeah. do, and I get it. I'm just asking you once you get by that part of it. From a financial standpoint, all those other things, when we know winning is the most important thing, because people are already pissed off in Jacksonville anyway. Correct. They've lost 11 out of 12 years. Well, and listen, and you always say as a free agent, money is king, and I agree with you on that, Brent. But don't take for granted game day atmosphere, fan base, just overall city experience yeah. either. Listen, if I gave you the you option right that now up. to play in Buffalo or Green Bay, you're going to Green Bay. Of course. Because you know about Green Bay. Of course. I get it. Yeah. I, I understand it. Yeah. I, I think Eric is right. It, it could have some ramifications mm-hmm. on free agents. I understand that. Yeah. I just don't know how much because I do think money wins at the end of the day. Uh, if, you're, if you're offering less money, the guy's probably going somewhere else anyway. Sure. If you're offering more money, there's a better chance you get him. Uh, in in my opinion. All right, uh, I want to go to this one real quick before we get out of here. And we'll probably do more of this tomorrow. There's a lot to digest here, and there's a lot of different ways to spin it. And I I love your thoughts on it, and there's so much more that I won't read uh, because I can't get to them. (laughs) But Wilson also says, I take Lamping's comments as a threat. And I think that's that's a fascinating view here. And this has been... I don't know if this is conspiracy theory on my part, and I want to be a little bit careful here because I don't want to uh, be, I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but I don't want to paint the Jags, Lamping, all those folks in, in a picture that I really don't know what the reality is. But I do think it's worth bringing up, and the idea has crossed my mind, that the end game in Jacksonville is, well, three things. I do think they want to win a Super Bowl. Everybody does. Come on. I mean, everybody wants to win a Super Bowl. That's the goal. You don't get into business or anything else if you don't want to win. Now, how much you put into that? You want to be the best. Yeah. So we all they want to win. Everybody wants to win. Mm -hmm. So cross that one off. The other two things, if you look at this in the next decade, I think there are two things that this regime wants to. When I say regime, I'm talking about Shad Khan, Mark Lamping, wants to accomplish: Mm -hmm. help build up downtown Jacksonville and build a new stadium. And and now, is that a brand-new stadium? Is that a refurbished $700 million? I, I don't know what it is. But those are the two things, I think, outside of football that I think they would like to accomplish. I, I hope I'm not putting words in their mouth, but I think that's what I've read. That's the way I see it. Sure. They want to help build downtown, that Lot J. They want to make all that as much as they can. And eventually they're going to say, we need a new stadium. So from Wilson's thought of taking this as a threat, I don't know if he's far off. I think this is maybe Khan and Lamping saying, hey, we can take two games to London. You know what else? So we could take more. Well, we could take and- more if you don't want to build this stadium. Or 
we could start moving forward here and build a stadium because we're one of two teams that haven't done anything to our stadium in the last 20 years, us and the Buffalo Bills. Do you want to be associated with the Buffalo Bills, or do you want to be associated with these other teams on the forefront? So I don't necessarily say take it or leave it kind of threat, but I do think it's an indirect kind of play by the Jags here to say, hey, just to get your attention, two isn't fun. Four would be worse. So I do think there might be a bit of a power play in here with this second home game to London from a business-only standpoint. Take the characters out of it. Mm-hmm. Put the, any city, any any. put this just in a business sense. When you want this that's going to cost close to a billion dollars and you want to get people moving on that, well, the one way to really get their attention is to say, well, over here we could slide more to a stadium in London. Yeah. If you don't want to do this, you echo sentiments about fans feeling threatened. All right. My question to you is this. How many NFL teams have called their fans for not showing up? Because I honestly can't. I mean, I get it. We we have our, our ears close to the ground here in Jacksonville, but you don't see headlines of other teams calling their fans saying we, we need to be better. We need to be better. We need to be better. Well, Jacksonville has called out their fans. Yeah. And to me, th- that was the first stone that was cast. And, st- and yeah. it's, it's a direct reaction off of that. I still would like to see... I, I, You know, Shotcon has not said much since that. And I would like to see Shotcon clarify and expand on that. Yeah. Because, again, people I speak to, I, I don't want to give them too much credit here. I just, I'm not saying he was even taken out of context. I think that comment needed more explaining. Sure. And it didn't have much more explanation. And I'd like to get more explanation on that from him. Exactly what he meant by it. Now, if this stuff happens or next time we talk, maybe that, that comes to fruition. But until then, we don't know. I mean, we have those comments that kind of says, hey, I called out the fan base a little bit. Correct. Even if it's not what he intended to do, yeah, we haven't seen him circle back on it. It's all the fans have right now yeah. to go off. All right, we'll circle back on this conversation and so much more tomorrow. I think we're going to try the road again. We're going on the road again. Yeah. All right. I, I'm trouble or nothing. <laughs> hey, listen, I like a challenge. Okay. We're going to make it double work. down. Let's get it. Uh, we're going to Rennes Pizza tomorrow, Marshall Landing. See you over there, three to six. Come on by, have a slice, and uh, say hello. Uh, happy anniversary to us. It's this happy week. Happy anniversary, dude. What'd you get me? You haven't got me anything yet, man. I got you a cookie cake. Oh, hey, hey, I need hey, a slice. Steph, appreciate it. Hey, yes. And my mom. <laughs> I need uh, your mom, too. Cool. It's good work back here juggling all tonight. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.